Hi, Marcus Pierce here. Exceptional Life Blueprint Live, my signature two-day transformational event, is coming to Melbourne for the very first time and you are invited. Join myself and a tribe of like-minded souls at the Melbourne Convention and Exhibition Centre on June 3 and 4. You will transform every area of your life from mediocre to magnificent and create a blueprint for your life purpose and career, your health, wealth, relationships, spirit and more. Early bird two-for-one tickets are on sale now at melbourne.marcuspierce.com.au forward slash couch. That's melbourne.marcuspierce.com.au forward slash couch. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Sit back, light the fire, kick your shoes off, because it's time for That Paleo Show with your favourite caveman, Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Brett Hill, and this week I'm joined by the one and only Marcus Pierce. Welcome to the show, Marcus. Oh, Brett, great to be on. Just you and I. I know. Not very I've... often we get a bit of you and me time. We're of... normally with the others, aren't we? A bit of one-on-one time. It's fantastic. And I feel like I'm I don't excited. even need to do an introduction for you, Marcus. You're the you're the man on the wellness couch. But I oh, will do an introduction because there might be some people who've been living under a rock. It is the Paleo Show, after all, who haven't heard of you yet. <laughs> so, Pardon the pun. I love it. <laughs> I know. I love corny jokes. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to rival Damo with the corny jokes. Yeah. I think the older I, I get... I might rival you by the end of this episode. I love them too. The older <laughs> I get, the more dad jokes I start getting into. But Marcus so didn't start out exceptionally healthy. You know, he was a sports mad workaholic journalist. He was working for SEN. He was working on the footy show. He was a smoker. And uh, it wasn't until he's met his wife, Sarah, the wonderful, beautiful Sarah, that uh, he started to have a bit of a revolution. It's amazing what girls can do, isn't it, Marcus? Mm-hmm. And uh, sure embarking is. on a magnificent relationship and a complete lifestyle and philosophy change. The cigarettes went into the bin. Um, he transformed into a vegan. Um, and, and as he said, an extreme vegan. So we'll chat a bit about that. And then has come the full circle and come back around to just eating real food. But he's also been on the 100 Not Out podcast show with Damien Christoph interviewing lots and lots of people from all over the world who are living healthy lives into a ripe old age and has started to realize that maybe there's more to life than just the food as well, that maybe we need to start looking at other factors. And so Marcus has his eight factors that he'll talk to us about a little bit later. Um, But he's also been on Inside the Champion's Mind uh, with Lawrence Tam for about 80 episodes and now has his own podcast show on the Wellness Couch, The Exceptional Life Blueprint, which everyone should be checking out too. If you haven't checked it out, make sure you do. He wears two professional hats, the founder of Exceptional Life Blueprint and the CEO of the Wellness Couch Network. And everyone obviously knows him from the podcast shows, but also those who've been to the summits know him as the host of the summits, and he does an exceptional job doing that as well. So, Marcus, welcome to the show, mate. It's great to have you on board. I'm looking forward to this chat. We've had a good adventure together, you and I, Bretto, haven't we, with Damo and LT? It's four or five years down the track. It's It's been fun. It's longer than that, I reckon, Marcus. It's been going on for a while now. We're coming up to our sixth anniversary on the Wellness Guys in a couple of weeks. Tell you what, you're just going to primary school. And I'll tell you what, there's going to be some big... Uh, news. There's going to be some big bombshells happening in the next couple of weeks, so stay tuned and listen in. We love. <laughs> there's going to be good stuff happening. I love just putting little teasers out. It's so much fun. We so, love it. Love Marcus, a bit of tell, us, tell us a bit about your life as a journalist, Marcus. Let's start there. 
Oh, I did love my time as a journo. I mean, I, I, my folks didn't really understand when I wanted to leave the sports media, but I always, I, I truly loved my time. I was always sports mad. I always thought I'd be the next Bruce McAvaney or Eddie McGuire. It was quite apparent growing up. I was never going to be the next uh, Gary Lyon or um, Jimmy Steins or who's a great put out. We were just talking about <laughs> Keith Thomas who played for Norwood, but I was never going to be the next best footballer. So the best thing for me after that was to be the next best commentator or, or sports uh, journalist. And so, um, you know, went down that path, became a sports journal, worked in breakfast radio and then uh, drive time and, and, and live TV, as you said, with the footy show, which was great. But I just had a feeling, Bretto, it was probably 2005-06 that – as much as I loved my time there, I looked ahead as to where I was an associate producer at the footy show. The next step was going to be the executive producer. I looked ahead and I loved my EP at TC, but it was just, I didn't want the lifestyle. I looked ahead and thought, is that what I want my life to be about? And do I want to be, um, you know, entertaining, you know, or helping entertain a million Australians every week? through football is that what I really want it to be about and I kind of felt like I had more to give and that as you said that was probably largely induced by um, meeting my wife Sarah chiropractor who studied with Damo um, but also my mum for my 21st birthday um, and I was probably 24, 25 when I was having these thoughts but my mum for my 21st birthday gave me uh, Get the Edge by Tony Robbins and it was a very profound gift because mum didn't have much money at the time and um, and and when my mum and dad split up when I was 10, all of a sudden my mum went from listening to 3AW which is the same as 5AA in uh, South Australia and uh, she'd gone from 3AW to um, – What's that? Nothing's the same as 5AA. It, it can't be that that's what The Vixens say nothing's the same as 3AW. But uh, <laughs> mum went from 3AW to Tony Robbins. So when we were getting lifts to school or going to footy training or any of that stuff, it wasn't it wasn't 3AW. It was Tony Robbins. And that I think that had a profound impact just on my own psyche and even just thoughts of life as a, as a young teenager. And then when mum gave me that gift, I really became enamored with personal growth. But I always skipped past the health section. I was still smoking and binge drinking. <laughs> And, and doing other things and whenever the you know improve your diet or improve your body stuff came up it's funny how you just skip past that section so um it wasn't much of a um a, a complete uh puzzle I, I had parts of my life which i'd majorly improved but i just decided i wanted to leave sports media and and slowly transition into personal growth health and wellness media and at the time i had no idea how it would happen i just knew that knew that it would happen um it took seven years it took you know um running a chiropractic and wellness center with sarah and then um it's funny how the world works then then um i decided i wanted to to host a podcast 100 not out i'd become uh, friendly with damo through forage cereal um stocking that in our practice and then Came on, and then Damo came on board as a co-host, and then we all started working together on the couch. It's been quite a journey, hasn't it, Marcus? It has been lots of fun. Now, before we go any further, Marcus, just a little bit of education for you, all right? Warren Treadray, Gavin Wanganine, right? Yes. My childhood hero, Scott Hodges. Yes. Four-time McGarry medalist, Russell Ebert. Right, that's yes. just that's just four for you. So I expect you to ne- next time you come to Port Footballers, they should just roll off of the tongue. All right, I'm I'm disappointed. Oh, what about Stuart Jew, Matthew Primus? There's so um, many. I know, but you didn't you know, get one. Peter Marcus, Burgoyne, so I just felt like I had to. <laughs> I felt like uh, I had to just. No, add we, something if, in. if we really want to bore the listeners, you know, we can start <laughs> talking about all kinds of Brent, uh, Brendan Laid. Um, gee whiz, where do we start? All right, all right we'll move on. You, I'll, I'll, let you, I'll let you off the hook now. Hey, let's talk about veganism, Marcus. Your first uh, foray into health was going to what you said was an extreme vegan. Um, yeah. What happened? What made the change? 
Well, it was again. It was um, Tony Robbins might come up a lot in this in this interview, not not by design, but just that's just naturally how it happened. I went to a Tony Robbins event with Sarah. I, again, I was smoking and drinking, binge drinking and eating the standard Australian diet pretty much when I went to that event. I still remember it. I think it was September October two thousand and five. I think, and um, and it was. It was just a ten-day challenge, you know. Just I think it was vegetarian ten-day challenge, and then that became, and then that's when I pretty much discovered Indian food. There was a great Indian cafe up the road from Channel Nine, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is awesome!" I've never had a chickpea in my life um, until then. Um, and then it was just a matter of feeling good. So then I expanded it. We expanded to thirty days, and then. 30 days became, you know, uh, committed to being vegetarian and then vegetarian, you know, morphed into being vegan the more we learnt. And, but really, I, I look back on it, it got quite extreme. I still remember watching a documentary called Earthlings. Did you ever watch Earthlings? I think I've watched bits of it. I don't think By Yuckwin Phoenix. Oh, my gosh, it's intense. And that scared living daylights out of Sebe. But for for us, it was as a, as a team, Sarah and I are quite a strong team. It was more just, all right, we're, we're not going anywhere near animal products, you know, full stop. And, I mean, I'm not going to have a dig at Earthlings, but far out. It just really reminds me in in, um, in in reflection that, you know, a lot of dietary choices, not just vegan veganism, but a lot of dietary choices through the mass media are really um, – um, encouraged out of fear, um, you know, and 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 that that doco definitely did. Uh, you know, I won't speak for myself; I actually, speak for Sarah here. That was quite scary for Sarah. She did not like that, and so we we probably became um, vegan because of well, it started off as health. But I think a lot of vegans. I'm no longer vegan, but most people that have been vegan for a period of time will tell you that if it starts off as health, it does become more compassionate. Over time, if it starts off on compassion, um, it can become about health, but it, it normally just becomes more and more about compassion for animals and the rest. Um, but yeah, it was a it was a, a fascinating time. I learned a lot about myself. We'd also stopped drinking. Well, I, I definitely stopped drinking for five or six years. Sarah pretty much still doesn't drink, but. Um, I don't know, Brett. I don't know what you think, but if I look back on my life, that that was some pretty extreme decisions, and I'm 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 quite glad now that I don't have that level of extremism in my life. Yeah. So, what did you notice? Like, how was your body physically and mentally when you were being more extreme? I think any time at the beginning of a diet, whether you go on Atkins or Paleo or vegan, vegetarian, or even if you just you know, start eating vegetables, whatever it is. I reckon any change in diet, I'd love to know what you think, but any change generally brings about a response. Like the novelty factor that the body must experience when we, you know, shift our diet, there must be some type of something which occurs um, because everyone that generally goes on a diet is really happy with it for a period of time. Um and then, but a lot of people fall off. For us, it was more just, and this is probably what I notice a lot with, say, a vegan diet is that it's such a dramatic shift for a lot of people that it almost seems um, like you're not meant, you're not allowed to 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 not do it. Uh, you're not you're not allowed to give it up after a short time. Not that I felt like that, but it just seems like it, it's such a big shift. But we loved it. I mean, at the time, absolutely loved it. I felt. Obviously, I, I, my, my skin cleared up a lot. I, I look at photos of when I was vegetarian and then what happened when I went vegan. My skin cleared up a lot. I was very pimply and pasty, kind of just didn't look great in the skin. Um, and I definitely felt like I had good energy. Exercise was great, all the rest of it. But I was talking to someone the other day. I'd have half a bag of dates after the gym. <laughs> which can't be good, you know, like it just can't be good for school. And I just, that that was just what we did there because you didn't have, you know, 
uh, well, you definitely didn't have a whey protein because that came from cows. But you know, the, at, back in 2006, there was no in 2007. I was probably vegan up until 2011 or 12. But there was no. Um, well, I didn't see a lot of you know pea protein or yeah. hemp protein and the rest. So <clears> that type of thing wasn't more the deal. It was more just. Probably on reflection, I was probably quite a sugar head, but um, and a lot of legumes, which I don't know. I, I don't know if they burnt holes in my gut or not. I think I'm pretty good in the guts, but I just think it was. I loved it. I loved the energy I got from it. But at the end, after six or seven years, it was doing a Demartini event, and Demartini said to Sarah and I, like he wasn't trying to convince us one way or another, but he just said, "Do you feel so much better?" being vegan than before you were vegan and the answer was seven years later we didn't like maybe for the Mm. first year or two we did but seven years later i was like no i don't feel you know i was just probably felt like everyone else like everyone else that felt healthy um i didn't really feel so much better being vegan and i was pretty much at the point where i was craving some fish or craving some animal protein and um so decided to uh relocate yeah and i think what i think the gist of it marcus is that pretty much any diet you take on board is probably going to be better than the standard Australian or the standard American diet. (laughs) Like what we eat on a day-to-day basis is pretty poor. So pretty much any change you make, like any diet you take on board. stories about that, don't we? From our upbringing, our childhoods with our party pies, sausage rolls and and chocolate bars. Absolutely. Yeah, soft drinks and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, whenever you change from that, you're probably going to notice some sort of benefit, but it's just whether it's sustainable and whether you're getting enough nutrients, whether whether you're able to do that for the long term and whether that's you know, nourishing and, and good for your body for the long term is I guess the question that sometimes comes out a little bit later on and you know certainly on this show I mean we're probably a pretty biased audience but but we do have a lot of people who started off their journey as vegans and vegetarians who have since transferred to paleo and, and feel like they're going a whole lot better so um, you decided well let, let's talk about because uh, you had kids during that time as well Marcus uh, how old are your kids now? Yeah, so Maya is seven, Darby, and, and we were vegan when we had Maya. Mm. By the time we had Darby, who's now four, we had uh, transitioned. Mm. Um, it's interesting looking at the different diets of, of the kids and their, and what they lean towards. And, and then Tommy, as we record, this is um, yeah, almost one. Yeah. So how did you go with Maya? Was she vegan right from the start as well? Yeah, so she was, yeah, so she was just, you know, the, the typical breastfed baby type setup. Um, and then it was really on reflection. Is, there was is so much. Is vegan? Is that okay? <laughs> That's a good question, actually. Um, <laughs> That's actually not as silly a question as it sounds, well, Brett. Cow's milk's not vegan, right? No, so it's like human milk, like, that's a really fat. Gee, you've just opened up a can of worms there. Just, just asking. That is so good. Um, yeah, so she was your typical breastfed baby. But then, you know, after she'd done all of the whole introduction to food, I swear to God, she had so much quinoa and kale because we just had quinoa and greens every morning for breakfast. Mm. And that was just our go-to if we, if you know, quick food. And I don't know, I just feel like, um, you know, that she just had – I just think we um, – Again, I just think we probably overdid it. Like, it's, there's no mistakes, right? It's all part of the perfection. It's, it's part of Maya's yeah. journey and the rest. But I feel like we we were extreme at that time. And I just sensed in the first few years of Maya's life, she had some extremist. You know, we'd go to parties and she'd start bawling just at the sight of cake because wow. it was unhealthy and she didn't want to have it because what was going to happen to her body and. Oh, it's just like, oh my gosh, what have we done? <laughs> you know, and you didn't mean to do that. You didn't want that. You weren't doing it for that. So, 
you know, I think that was a that was an interesting personal growth experience as well. And I look at Derby and Tommy now, and they're way more relaxed about their food. Mm. Derby particularly, he did anything. You'd almost think he just wants to eat everything under the sun. But uh, it's just a yeah. I'm I, I look at the boys and I think yeah. I think we've if they if kids do learn from their parents about food, I feel that. We definitely have righted the ship with um, the boys. And May is wonderful now. I think obviously she's been part of a more relaxed dynamic when it comes to food for five of those seven years. And I think um, she's well and truly adjusted, but far out. I'm glad we didn't go continue down the path just just for us. Not saying, you know, again, I mean, some of my friends, are, some of my best friends are vegans and I love them. It's not a, a non-vegan, a vegan or non-vegan thing. It's more just the, our extremist attitude to food was being reflected in our kids. And I didn't think that was a great thing for us. So tell us about your first meat eating experience, Marcus. Oh well, I remember it was it was uh, it was fish um, uh, at De Martini. I think it was prophecy event by De Martini, and uh, I was on about a table of twelve, uh, I reckon, at other attendees, and everyone was looking at Sarah and I as we like nibbled on our first mouthful of fish <laughs> <laughs> to see if we turned into some type of monster. Um, but it was it was great. I tell you what, I absolutely loved it, and. Um, it's funny you think that it's going to taste like so different but it's kind of like if, if anyone's done a cleanse and then you go back to having just a, a mouthful of lettuce and you just appreciate the crunch of lettuce and you actually feel like you can taste it even more it was just so tasty um, <laughs> and uh, yeah so what did you notice with the family once you started reintroducing meat into the diet with our children yeah and with each you, other with- uh, and with it, I think it was more just we probably felt relieved. I think um, it was kind of nice just to. I think I think our extended family were really happy and relieved. Just that they felt that. I mean, I think Sarah's family in particular were amazing for just their. You know, they were so adaptable with food. They they didn't judge. They just prepare lots of vegetarian dishes one of the best things about us going vegan was a lot of those family and Christmas functions. There were just way more veggies on hmm. offer. In the past, it was probably very maybe just meat-heavy, but now, or maybe even just carb-heavy, but no greens. And then, and then us going vegan meant that there were way more vegetarian options. And her family were remarkable, like even her aunties and uncles and cousins, and they'd always just bring extra stuff. It was great. So I think on that level, from our overall health, it was wonderful. I think once we transitioned back, I reckon just as more than anything, socially, it just became a hell of a lot easier. Mm-hmm. I think, again, mates and, and family were just – you know, just breathe a sigh of relief that it was just easier to socialise. You didn't have to just – it was just one one more step you didn't have to consider, oh, what will Marcus and Sarah eat? It was yeah. more just, you know, they can just eat that and that was that was great. Oh, that was great for Sarah and I as well as everyone else involved as well because I just think the, the social impact of food is one that's rarely spoken about, um, you know. And I was just reading Gandhi's autobiography recently. I'm halfway through it and even when vegetarianism became a major kind of um, – popular diet in the 1920s and 30s, it was never spoken about as an enjoyable way of eating. It was always spoken about as a moral way of eating. And I was like, oh, I don't know, unless it's some part of evolution. But I would have thought that food is always something that's to be enjoyed and that brings people together. Whereas a, a big notion just in reading Gandhi's book was it was never about enjoyment. It was always about morals. And oh, that's just, again, mate, call me immoral, but that's just not the way that that I that, yeah I choose to eat now. Uh, I definitely won't be calling you immoral, Marcus. I've never <laughs> understood the moral argument. Like, it's such a natural thing. <laughs> like, it's just in nature, animals eat animals, and it just happens. And there's nothing, you know, we don't look at the tiger and go, he's so immoral. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's, yeah, 
Yeah, it's, absolutely. It, it's kind of just a bizarre concept for mine. But anyway, let's go, so go isn't on. Isn't that because people want to disassociate? Like people want to detach us as being different. Like yes, people yeah, they think they we're not animals. Get that we're animals. But they, yeah. yeah, they kind of they don't fully own that. They intellectually get it, but they don't fully own it. Yeah, and that's why it's hard for people to some people to comprehend. Yeah, I think you're probably right. But yeah, there's always that thing of like it's more moral, and I'm like, no, it's not. Especially, I think since doing that interview with Alan Savori, where he spoke about how important it is to have, uh, you know, to have ecosystems rather than monocultures, and that just yeah. made so much sense to me. Like, we our environment is built on ecosystems, not monocultures, and so if you clear everything else out and just grow one plant, that that's not doesn't make as much sense as having some animals and some plants in an area. That seems to be more natural and more balanced, and, and maybe more moral. Yeah, rather than oh, less. spot on, and yeah, I mean that that was one of my favourite ever interviews, the Alan Savory Wellness Guys interview, as just in terms of mind blowing and just owning, just there yeah, the the just getting away from ha- having a mono diet, you know, which was very much the mm. the vegan. I remember, you know, Demartini drew like plant based or um, omnivorous, like at opposite ends of the scale. <laughs> And, and and then also drew like east and west, you know, just in terms of opposites and just how extreme um, we as a society have become in terms of being mono. We're pretty much mono about everything. Like there's just one way to do um, yeah. everything and it's, it's 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 hard to watch. Yeah. Well, you'd have to have plant-based and carnivorous at opposite ends, wouldn't you? Omnivorous would have to be in the middle, surely. Oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. We, can't, we can't make omnivorous <laughs> the extreme. That doesn't yeah, work. No. <laughs> All right. So, Marcus, we've spoken a lot about food so far, but, you know, your life is about so much more than just the food side of things. And I guess it always had been, really, because you'd always, you know, you've mentioned Martini, you've mentioned um, Tony Robbins, you know, you've always been interested in that. Well, at least since you got interested in health, you've been interested in that mindset side of things. Perhaps since your mum sent you those, were they, were they cassette tapes, Marcus? Oh, mum bought the cassette tapes when her and dad split up, but I was yeah. 10. That was, what, 25 years ago. Yeah, but yeah. when I got – when I was 21, they were on compact discs. Wow. Wow. Yes. The new modern technology. That's amazing. Oh compact gosh. discs. All the kids what? out there going, what's a compact disc, dad? What is a compact disc? Seriously? <laughs> no idea. <laughs> so, Marcus, you know, as you've gone on your journey, obviously, you've started interviewing all these people on 100 Not Out. You've been doing Inside the Champion's Mind. You know, you've expanded your concept. Um, tell us what you've learnt from doing all these interviews and, and from interviewing all these people who are living healthily into a ripe old age. Well, when, when Damo and I started 100 on Out, Damo thought it would show that, you know, carnivorous and, and you know, then well, omnivorous, you know, diets would be the best. And I thought we'd interview all these, you know, centenarian vegans, but they weren't very easy to find. And we realized very quickly that it's food was not the fountain of youth. And that was quite disturbing for us both in our own, you know, um, paradigms but what you know what we really found was that the people that were living and are living great long lives they particularly have three ingredients in common they are they are living their life on their own terms they are writing their own script for their life they're not they're not living the life that their dad wanted them to live or their mum wanted them to live or their husband or wife told them you know to live they're living their life on their terms so they really own their their identity they really own their personality they really they do what they love and they love what they do and every day for them it sounds you know, corny, but every day for them is a gift because it's just another opportunity for them to do what they love. Whereas you look at a lot of people that aren't fulfilled in their life, 
a lot of the time it's because they feel like they're living other people's dreams. They're living other people's scripts. And if, if people wake up and they go, well, what have I got to do today? Most of what people say they have to do today, it's often stuff for other people. And so the people that live great long lives, they fill their own bucket or jug up first and then they give the overflow to everyone else whereas you know, a lot of people really are living with empty jugs and giving the dregs or, or pretty much trying to pour an empty jug out and give to others and that's just hard it's hard to watch and we've seen it happen and we've done it ourselves and and we know that that it's not sustainable and that's why and when you think of it what sustainability is when something's not sustainable it ends and you a lot of you see a lot of people have a premature death because they were living other people's lives and not living their own script so that was really a big eye-opener for us um and then movement was really interesting all the people that we've interviewed that are living great long lives are moving regularly like and it doesn't have to be you know doing yoga classes or you know doing crossfit or f45 or you tell know us, tell us what the Ukrainians said to you when you went for a run marcus oh they were shocked they couldn't even understand the concept of going for a run because they were like where did you run to and we're like oh, just i don't know just to the end and back but like where, where's that and they didn't really understand why we'd gone damo and i'd gone for a run and and they were they they only walk or if they run they, they're kind of going to a neighbor's place but they, they don't really walk but they would just walk to people's places like if i was going to visit you bretto i would just walk there if i was in a career even if it was a 5k or 10k walk wow. i wouldn't even adelaide that's a good effort mp that would be that'd be a great effort i might do that little bike ride if i ride <laughs> to yours will you ride to mine <laughs> done there we go <laughs> Um, that'd be a good idea, actually. Um, De Bretos, fundraiser. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, digressing. So, um, you know, so movement, yeah, particularly in Icaria that we observed when we ran this longevity retreat last year was that they, they do move just as a part of their lifestyle. And so do most centenarians, whether they're in, whether they're in Adelaide or Queensland or New Zealand or Asia or America, movement is a part of their lifestyle. And, um, and we now, I think, do you remember the chiropractic, um, chiropractic week you know promotion yeah. from a few years back was how, how many minutes do you stand yeah. and it was only about so the average office minutes. worker sits for 16 hours a day right mm. and then they figured it that, and that's obviously at work in the car on the couch at home all that sort of stuff they Pretty slept nailed. they slept for six uh they slept for six hours and 43 uh, 47 minutes so they didn't get enough sleep either but that only left 73 minutes in their entire day that they were actually moving, like not exercising, not walking, just like moving. Yeah, and you see people's energies. They just people wonder about brain fog and fatigue, and you know not being able to concentrate and be present. Man, oh man, you sit. It's very hard to do so. But you know what, Brito? I, I've I've done a heap of talks in the last six weeks, and I've been asking people how many minutes a day do you reckon you stand for. Most people are answering in between the 20s and 30s. Yeah. So I reckon even in the last four or five years, that number's gone down. That's scary, isn't it? And it's just absolutely frightful. So movement is is the second key, and it's not even an option. It, it's a, it is an essential to live a great long life. There's one study um, that said that sitting is worse than smoking. And well, yeah, the good old sitting is the new smoking. I reckon to a point, I mean, again, the oldest human being ever to live, I've spoken about this on The Wellness Guys, oldest human being ever to live, Jean Calmont, 122 years, 164 days. She was riding her bike on her 100th birthday and she was fencing age 85 and she was moving regularly, but she was smoking for 95 years. Mm. Like that's, you know, and I just, we almost have to wince at that because there's other clues, you know, particularly the movement one, um, which is I just think is absolutely – I just think it's she, so important. Did she quit when she was 95? She quit when she was 117. 
I'm, fa- I'm fascinated by that concept. Like, I reckon if I smoked till I was 117, I'd keep going. So what would that be? So is that she started at 22? She must have started at 22 yeah. and, and, and quit at 117. I, don't, I still don't know why she quit, but, you know, she lived for another five years. Um, and then the third key ingredient is social life. They're the three ones to a great long life. And you think of it, it's quite easy to think about. People that don't socialize as they get older feel isolated, depression. Suicide is its highest amongst males aged 85 plus. A lot of people don't talk about it. Wow. There's a lot of talk about youth suicide, but men over 85 and a large proportion of that is because of social isolation, loneliness, depression. Um, when people don't exercise, they... Uh, uh, Michael Woodward said on 100 Not Out, um, who's he's a professor on the Alzheimer's Australia board, 42% of all Alzheimer's would be gone. We would have a 42% lower Alzheimer's bill if um, we all exercise sufficiently. Wow. And, you know, that's just, it'd be so easy to do. We're not talking about high end, you know, marathons and ultra marathons and Ironmans. We're just talking about going for a half an hour walk every day. That would be enough to turn off 42% of all dementia. And one person every four minutes has been diagnosed. So imagine. Just imagine. I mean, I just think it's just such an easy thing to do, just to go for a walk. But people in this day and age find it really difficult to, to prioritize that amount of time for them on a daily basis. Well, that's the thing, MP. Like, it seems like it is. It seems like it's getting harder. Like, you know, you you talk about the areas of your life, and you talk about life, purpose, and career, movement, social life, nutrition, love and relationships, growth, wealth, spirituality, productivity. It's a bit overwhelming for a lot of people. Like you sort of like it seems like once upon a time those things used to just be a natural part of our society. And it seems like you know, maybe if you lived in a career, you wouldn't have to think about it. Like that that's just a natural part of the way you grow up and the way the society is built, that those things are naturally incumbent in your world and in your society. But it it seems like in our modern worlds we've become so detached from that. You know, we we are, you know, isolated in a little box at work. You know, we're on social media rather than going out and meeting people. We're, you know, we live in a world that's very different, and it seems now that you have to work hard to to do each of those areas. You have to, you know, consciously work on it to get it right, rather than it just being, I guess, a natural part of our existence. So, do you yeah. think? Am I right? Like, is it getting harder for yeah, people? Yeah, I think to, you are. And that's why, and again, it sounds so corny, but we are corny dad joke one-liners. That's why I called the, 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 the business and the program the Exceptional Life Blueprint because we now need to be exceptional rather than just the norm because you go to Ikaria where it is the norm. If we're going to live our the life we were born to live, Every single one of us, and this is probably why we love the Wellness Couch Tribe so much, is because we feel like we're kind of going against, you know, society's norms. We now have to be exceptional. So, yeah. I, you, you know, if like, have you exercised this morning? I know it's put, putting yeah. you question without notice. So you've already exercised this morning, morning. right? Six a.m. Um, class, so good. For well me. done. I'm not Gee whiz, that's guy. that is amazing. Have you spent time with the kids or with Steph or with with other people? Well, not today. No, Steph's in but, Melbourne at the moment. The kids but you've are in the place, people, so, but okay. I did give my dog a nice cuddle this morning. And, and you've been with other people at CrossFit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's social, right? So social for me doesn't have to be – it's just got to be engagement with human beings be and ideally with within human beings that you enjoy being around. Can it be my new puppy? Yeah, absolutely, because the puppy has major health benefits. I was going to say, I didn't even know you had a dog. Yeah, we, we adopted a Kelpie a couple oh. of weeks ago. 
18-month-old Kelpie needed a home. We're his fourth home. He's a little legend, little oh buddy. Congratulations. Can't make sure, following my Instagram. Make sure the four, it's the fourth and final home. Yeah, I'm a bit slow in, on the uptake of social media, but you know me, a bit more of a people person. I will look at your dog on social media. I will get on Instagram. What's the doggy's name? He's super cute. Buddy. Buddy. Um, But, you know, see, so the reason why I ask this, you've already done two. You're doing what you love. So the three ingredients to living a great long life, you've already ticked off. And as we record this, it's 5 past 10 in the morning. Well, it is here. It's 9.35 where you are. So you've already done the three key ingredients to living a great long life. Are already done. Now, we know you're going to eat well today, which is the fourth ingredient. That's, that's to a great quality of life. We know you've got great love and relationships. We know how madly in love you and Steph are. We know the relationship you have with your children. Anyone that came to the summit would have heard you really um, just you know speak from your heart at the summit last year. So we know that that's exceptional. We know you love to grow. You're reading books. You're learning by doing podcasts, listening to podcasts and all the rest of it. If you're spending less than you earn, you're exceptional. Australians spend 151% of their income. Um, so if just today you don't make any crazy purchases and you just live your normal lifestyle spending less than you earn, that's exceptional. And if you have a great spirit, soul and faith, you believe you live in a good world, you love yourself, you're respectful of others, you're kind to strangers, you do those things, your spirit, soul and faith is, is done. So this is, I think, a lot of us. If we, if a lot of us are already doing it, it's more about actually having the conscious awareness that we are doing it. And then if we're not, a lot of the time they're tweaks. They're not wholesale changes, unless we're talking about relationship changes and, uh, and career changes. But a lot of the time it's a tweak, and that's probably the the message that I want to get across to people is it's the decision that you are exceptional, that you already are living an exceptional life because we won the race, we all got here, we were born, that's exceptional in itself, and then just making those shifts. And again, just look at yourself right now. It's, it's 10 past 10 now, and um, you've pretty much already got those eight nailed. Oh, I feel so much more relieved. I'm like, oh, phew, phew, I've got <laughs> four of them out of the way. Feel. Their life is actually so so awesome. Um, we <laughs> just have to be aware of it. i tell you what though, Mark, I want to pull you off on one thing because I'm really pedantic about the word normal. And, and so I reckon that normal is actually exceptional. Like I think we talk about normal when we should be saying common. Right, so what's yeah, common yeah, totally in our society yeah. is is you know what you refer to as the norm, but I reckon what is actually the norm is actually what is exceptional. So you could call it the normal life blueprint, <laughs> and that would actually yeah. be that is actually yeah. I reckon a normal a, a, life. That's that's the way we're supposed to be. That's the way that's our innate state of being. Um, but we've just what's common is so far distant from that um, that we just you know we need to get back to just. Just normal, you know, and, and if you look at to those... like your job and all of those things. Yeah. It's common, it's not normal, absolutely. Yeah. If you look at those societies like Ikaria, you know, and I've been hearing all about Ikaria from Steph who went there, and, and uh, but, you know, they <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, you poor thing or you lucky thing? Because I think it's great, that but I feel like I've been there. Everyone's year off, yeah. Yeah, and, and so it's just, you know, but it's just normal for them. That's just the way their, their society is built, that they just do those things innately and naturally. It's not an effort, and I think... What you're talking about is how to set up your life so that that is just your normal life. Um, and yeah. obviously, Marcus, you've well, not obviously, but you've got an amazing event coming up June 3rd to 4th in Melbourne at the Melbourne Convention and Exhibition Centre, which is amazing. That's where we had the summit last year. Um, yeah. And uh, you're having an exceptional weekend in Melbourne talking about each of these areas. Tell us a little bit about it, MP. 
Well, I just want to help people make make it happen. Like it doesn't it doesn't it's like the Pantene ad. It doesn't it doesn't happen overnight, but it will happen. Um, the two days is really to help people transform each of those eight areas of life and their productivity so that they know how to apply this, um, so that they can make that corny one liner mediocre to magnificent transformation in each area of their life. Now, I mean, you, Bretto, you've been in the game for a while, so I would probably say you know not everyone's going to score as highly as you in those eight areas. You know, a lot of people are scoring one one, two, three, maybe four out of eight. And so they come along to strengthen the four and then transform in the other key areas of life. And, and that generally can take those two days um, to really set up those eight blueprints for your life. And so I really just want to help people. I, I normally run this event in Byron, but this year I'm running it in Melbourne at the Melbourne Convention Exhibition Center. And, um, you know, we get an incredible group of people. It's great to obviously network and socialize with like-minded souls. We talk about that with any of the events we do for the couch. It's just, it's bringing people together in real life um, and I just want to help people particularly I, I seem to help a lot of people with life purpose and relationships they seem to be two areas that, that come up a lot but again there's no no use having a great life purpose if you've got a terrible diet you hardly exercise and you don't make time for your kids so you know everything has an asterisk next to it that, that you must honour um, all areas of your life because otherwise the consequences are absolutely disastrous um, and that's a conversation for another time but we don't want any of the consequences of of mediocrity in any of those eight areas of life. So that's it. Uh, special offer for Wellness Couch and uh, that Paleo Show fans. And um, it'd be great to have as many uh, couches and that Paleo Show peeps along um, in Melbourne in June. Beautiful. And I'd just add to that, Marcus, that, you know, we always talk about wellness as a journey, not a destination. And so for all of us, you know, I know for myself, you know, I'm not perfect in all eight of those areas. In fact, I'm not perfect in any of those eight areas. You know, there's always room for improvement. And I know that if I came onto this event with you, MP, that I would find little nuggets in each of those areas where I could just make those small incremental improvements. And and really, that's what it's all about. So, you know, no matter what stage you're at of the journey, you can always just get those little gold nuggets to help take you to the next level. Yeah, well, we do have people that come for the second and, and even third time this year. And you're right. I think once you know that you are always growing and you never stop, then you're always looking to improve, get those one percenters, aren't you? And um, it's interesting though, Bretto. I know people unlike you that, that do leave events and they think they're cooked. They think they're done. Like they tick the box and, you know, it always blew my mind, those people that would spend, you know, six or seven or eight grand on an event and then they'd go home and nothing would change. Um, One of my favorite mentors in the early days when I was a chiropractic student said to me, Marcus, he said, you know, it goes in about five yearly cycles. I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, about every five years, you'll think you've got it nailed. Like you think you've learned everything, you've got experience, you've got it all covered, you know exactly what's going on. He said, as soon as you get to that stage, look out because <laughs> yeah. something's about Bustle to come along come and, and turn yeah. your whole life upside down. You'll realize you know nothing and you start again from the bottom and that happens about every five years. I, I loved that concept. It's a great call. No, it's a really good call and uh, yeah, and you're spot on. Life is always there to teach us something. So yeah, it'd be great to have um, as many um, the Paleo Show peeps along in Melbourne and they just go to, I think we set it up for the couch, melbourne.marcuspierce.com.au forward slash couch and they'll um, check out the special offer there. Perfect. And uh, so, obviously, that is your website, marcuspierce.com.au. They can see, listen to your podcast on thewellnesscouch.com, even the old ones. You can go listen to Inside the Champion's Mind. You can still hear Marcus on there. Um, you can check out Marcus all over social media, Facebook, Instagram, um, as Marcus Pierce and also as Exceptional Life Blueprint. Um, thanks for coming on board, Marcus. It's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Thanks for having me, Bretto. Always good to talk. Great to have some one-on-one time. So, until next week, join the conversation on Facebook. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Join our newsletter list at thatpaleoshow.com 
And let's help grow the paleo tribe worldwide. Join us next week on That Paleo Show. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.